friends, and welcome to this golf podcast. Unlike any other, this is Fairway Roll, the golf podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network, a very special LPGA major edition of Fairway Rolling Birdie Buddies, Par Saving Pals. We have none other than LPGA tour player. Marina Alex is on the line. We had her for a full hour. Let's just walk over to the tee, throw three pegs in the ground. It's me and Nate and Marina on a three ball. Let's get this thing going with Marina Alex. My Eagle enthusiasts, it's fairway rolling presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health Services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. All right, my birdie buddies, my par saving pals. We have a very special edition of Fairway Rolling this week with a very special guest. You know, Nate and I, have been talking since the restart of the PGA Tour back in June about our own interest in the LPGA, its restart, and how the Ladies Tour has been handling its quote-unquote bubble. And there's been an incredible array of outcomes on the LPGA, so we had to get our own LPGA correspondent on the ground to go along with Nate, our PGA Tour correspondent on the ground. And on today's show, we are so happy to have here Marina Alex. M.A., what's happening? Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to do this with you. Let's start with something simple. What's, okay. your, what's, what's your nickname? What do you go by? I don't really um, I have. Oh, I, I do have a few. Most people call me Marina. That's not a nickname. No, a couple girls call me Alex, my last name. And then I do have one nickname from <laughs> one of my good friends on tour. She calls me Meatball because... Oh, no, we're going with uh, that. That's the I'm one. I'm from Jersey, and she thinks that I am on the Jersey Shore. 
Well, so, yeah, well, meatball. Well, and, and I know because of the little bit of research that we did, we're going to talk about you being coming from Jersey and some of your Jew- Jersey roots. But I also know that you have a particular interest in the kitchen. You got a whole food game going, Marina Alex. So a little, a little bit. I, don't, I wouldn't say it's a huge array of food game, but I love it. Yeah, food game. So, I mean, it's going to be meatball. We're going to mix it up. I will, we'll try yeah, okay. and be... Meatball it is. Yeah, no, meatball. it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, I want to talk a little bit about kind of your journey because it's a very interesting one. It's a non-traditional one. And uh, I just want to sort of try and get from point A, which is Wayne, New Jersey, to point B, which is... Uh, right now we're taping. You are in Jupiter or in Nashville? Uh, Palm Beach Gardens. Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Yes. And in between there, a stop at Vanderbilt University in the mighty, mighty SEC. How's that all come together? So I know there's golf in your family. That's that's always where it starts, right? My my dad plays. Um, he's still playing a little bit competitively. Um, he played a ton of amateur events when I was a kid in the Met section. So New Jersey... Um, events, met section events, uh, pretty, pretty solid amateur player in the area. And he got my brother and I into playing. We would play a ton of golf with like the head pro at the golf course that, um, my dad joined when I think I played public golf course, most of my junior career. And then when I got into high school, my brother is four years younger than me. My dad was like, I think we got to do it. We got to join a place. Like we can't keep going to the local, uh, say county golf course, just not going to happen. So joined a a course in my hometown of Wayne, New Jersey called North Jersey Country Club, became friendly with the head pro there. My dad did. And I I played a lot with with him and his assistants when I was just in high school. So I had like a ton of playing experience with really good golfers, not necessarily girls my own age, because it was just so hard in New Jersey. There's not many players. So you would only see people at a high school state championship or a New Jersey state championship, whether it's, you know, girls amateur or women's amateur, but to play with girls, my own age on a daily basis, it just didn't happen. Like there's not enough of us. So I ended up playing with a lot of guys, which is fun. And so how did you know how you were developing through high school? Like when did you step back and go, I'm really good? Probably I would say starting my second year of high school, I ended up playing a lot more AJGA events. So those are national junior golf tournaments. And I was playing against girls that were, you know, California, Florida, uh, warmer climates, Texas. And I was just getting my ass handed to me. Are we allowed to? Yes. In fact, it's encouraged. We have the E. We are very explicit on this podcast. Uh, Yeah. yeah, So, I mean, I was just getting drummed in junior golf tournaments, like nationally. And I, when you come from a small pool in the Northeast, you know, you don't really necessarily know how you stack up. Why'd you keep going back? I don't know. My dad, he was just like, keep going, <laughs> keep trying. Um, but you learn at every stage. So it was just kind of like a learning experience. Um, I'm a pretty observant person. Like I, I can tell right away if someone is better than me. Um, I'm kind of just like, okay, I can maybe learn a thing or two from just watching. Um, so I think that that's probably been a skill set of mine you know, from a junior, all even now. I was going to say, you still do that today? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's even more, I think, cool and, and 
knowledgeable at a high level because you're playing with so many good players, there's definitely things you can pick up from other people that probably do things a little bit better than you do. And, and maybe vice versa. I may do things better than some, but we can all kind of learn from each other just from afar. Like you don't really need to ask that many questions. If you've got a good eye for golf playing my whole life, like I can kind of see what things people do well and what they don't. And I can, you know, just teach myself some things here and there. But I, I think that I just had a grind through those like AJGA days and try to get recruited by anyone for college golf. Um, it, it was, I honestly didn't expect to go to a very good school just because, you know, I hadn't won any national level junior golf tournaments. So I just was like, I don't know why anyone would recruit me. <laughs> How'd they find you? Yeah, it's, a, it's actually a pretty cool story. So my dad plays, um, well, he used to play when we lived in New Jersey. Um, it's called the Winter League. It's like this crazy, it's for the golf crazies. So they play every Thursday. They played in the off month. So it starts in October and it ends like in February or March. And they play every week in the winter. Like that's their deal. And they go to random courses, mostly South Jersey. Um, and they would play like the greens would be frozen and the golf course would be like, it was just, anyway, there was a guy that my dad knew, um, played a lot of golf with that was friends with the coach at Arizona at the time. So this guy was like, Oh, let me reach out to the Arizona coach and tell him about your daughter and all this. So the coach at that time, his name was Greg Allen. He had coached Natalie Golbis and Lorena Ochoa when they came through at U of A. And he took the job at Vanderbilt kind of midway through, I think my high school days. So he started recruiting me once he got over to Vandy and I went and took a visit and I loved the school and that was kind of it. I mean, I definitely think he took a bit of a chance on, on recruiting me, but it was a good fit for me. And after a couple months of being there, I was really starting to like progress and just a whole year of being able to practice in the winter, like made a huge deal for me in my game. I didn't have that up until I got to college. It was a good eye of Coach Allen because it only took you two years, if that, and you won the SEC championship. Yeah, I, I think I fell into like a good circumstance there. I was able to start um, and get on like a consistent starting r roster and play and just get better my first year that I was in school. And then from there, um, that kind of took off more into my sophomore year, which, which was great. And then I kind of hit a little bit of a low after that. Um, it's hard to deal with things like if you've never been in those positions, you know, I think, and you, if you could talk to any golfer, well, maybe with the exception of like tiger, um, I think people struggle with the success and like how to maintain their expectations and all of that. Cause you have ups and downs in golf. Like it's not like you're going to play great all the time. And it's like learning how to deal with the times that you're not playing great and know that it's coming back, you know? And what did that feel like in the moment? What did that feel like to you? Expectations that you have to go out and win every tournament? That. And then as soon as you have a couple bad outs and you know, your couple high scores or a couple bad tournaments, you're like, Oh my God, am I, am I done? Like, am I never going to play good golf again? That's like a young, immature, understand and not not understanding it you know like uh that's how i had felt in college because i just didn't know any any better really how did you get through that uh we had sports psychs that we would talk to and um you know kind of just i i think also just having college as a bit of a distraction itself is helpful 
you know, you go out, you have friends, you have school to worry about, you're trying to be social, you know, it's not totally all about golf. So I think over time, it kind of just worked itself out. But as soon as you kind of give up on the, you know what, I don't, I don't need to win every week, or I don't need to be in contention every week, it's hard to do, you kind of just take some of that pressure off yourself. And then you start playing better again, which is like weird. It's very counterintuitive. It doesn't seem to make sense. And, you know, to be fair, uh, you did make first team All-American twice over the four years and your senior year, you did finish runner up again in the SEC championship. So that's pretty, pretty good college resume. Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) And then it didn't take you very long. Uh, you graduated what year? I graduated in May of 2012 and played some Symmetra tour uh, that summer. I don't know how it works now, but we were lucky. They would reserve spots in the field for, I think it was like the top three or four in the college amateur rankings. And you could play as a pro using that category. So myself and a couple other girls were able to start right away that summer playing Symmetra. And I had a couple good showings um, that kind of helped me bypass, I think, a one stage of Q school went to second, went to third, and I was kind of there at third stage to get a full tour card. And I just choked my ass off the last like two holes and I'll never forget it. My dad was catting for me and I missed two putts on 17 and 18. Both of them had to have been inside four feet. Like one, what both for birdie and ended up not getting my card. I want to say it was by two spots. Like if I had made those would have been in a playoff. And I was dev- like, what, what's going on in your head? Killed, but what, what was going on oh, in your head know. on those? So tools? much nerves, like it's a lot on the line. Yeah, you know, a lot on the line, a lot of nerves, um, and probably a lot of bad technique, in the sense that you know, I don't think at that time I I would give myself a good score as a putter in general, and so not really understanding what I was doing, not having a good mental game plan in, in those instances, um, and just totally letting the emotions of what's going on, like overtake, you know, that's a detriment. Like it's really hard to perform at that point. So that was a huge learning experience for me, but in, a, in overall in a good way, just not in the moment. Did you know right afterwards, here's what I'm going to do better next time? Or did it take you a while to sort of no, work through that? I think it took me a while to get over the initial like jarring feeling of that. Cause you feel like I'm, I'm a choker. Like, I like maybe I don't have that in me, you know, maybe that is who I am and like, maybe I'm not as good or, you know, there's a lot of self, uh, questioning at that point, a lot of doubt, like, Oh, can I do this? Um, but the more you put yourself in those circumstances, I think you just learn how to handle your internal mind better. You know, what's going on in between your two ears. And in the sense of like, not letting those self-doubt type of thoughts and like the things you think about yourself or the thing or the worst case scenarios, like you try not to let them overtake, you know, you because it just creates so much energy in your body and it's not good energy by any means. When did you know you were good enough? I think by kind of by chance, you know, so I played Symmetra and I played well um, out there, but it felt comfortable. It felt like similar to college in terms of the course setup, the course difficulty. Um, a lot of girls I had played with in college were playing out there. So it didn't really seem totally like out of my realm. Um, and I had a super solid year. 
And that year I had a couple LPGA starts and I missed those cuts. It was like a mental thing for me. I got to those LPGA events and I get pressure expectation. Like, you know, that the players are better. And I just, I felt like I was just so nervous that I just couldn't really compete. Didn't make any cuts at that point, but I got my tour card from Symmetra and I started the 2014 season, like with full status out there. So I'm like, okay, I've, I've got, you know, a year to get, figure this out. And man, and it was, it was so tough. I missed a million cuts, like a million to start the first half of the year. And I struggled with caddies and like all that stuff, just figuring out routine travel. And I was like, man, maybe this is just not going to happen for me, you know? And I had one really solid week at a Canadian tournament. I think it was the Manulife at the time. I don't think it's on our schedule anymore. And it happened that that event was a qualifier for the British Open. So we have one domestic tournament prior to the British. And they'll designate the 36 holes as a qualifier to get into the British. And it's usually five spots. So anyone who's not previously qualified, those top five people at the end of 36 holes. That's like how Sophia Popoff got in this year. 100%, exact same way. So I ended up qualifying um, that way. And I got into the British Open, which was like a huge deal. I just had, it was the best tournament in Canada that it had like of the season. I think I ended up, after 72 holes finishing like 17th or 18th, which was like a huge confidence boost for me. And I went to the British. We played Burkdale. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was cool. And I ended up finishing eighth or ninth. And that was just kind of like, it came out of nowhere, but it helped me so much. You know, I got into other events. I got into like limited field things where I didn't have to worry about making cuts because for me, I don't know. It was just like the mental thing of making cuts was hard. It was so different. You're not used to that in college. And it was, it came easy on Symmetra and it was not coming easy on the LPGA just because the competition is way more intense at that level. So playing some of those events that had no cut at the end of the year, just helped me get into a routine of like playing 72 whole tournament and like feeling a little bit more comfortable and not so edgy about having to have two good days, you know, to make a cut and all that. So I think all of that kind of just helped me along my path, you know, for the next several years of playing on tour. And I, you know, I found a great coach and like all, and a good trainer and like all of these things kind of fall in line to like letting you get better and better and better. And then that just builds your mental confidence too. To be fair, like the timeline here is you were in college until 2012 and then you were playing on the LPGA tour in 2013. Like it, it's, it's a pretty no, successful timeline. It yeah. is a successful timeline. I just think that my ability to feel comfortable out there and my ability to yeah. contend and feel like I am like a player out there yeah. took me year, like years to figure out. I wouldn't say it was probably until 2017 and into 2018 that I really was like, okay, I'm like getting the hang of this. My goals have shifted and now I'm thinking about winning, not the cut. Yeah, not, not the cut, not, not keeping my car, not doing this, not doing that. You know, that was like for years. That's, you know, you, but that's what you think that you're at in terms of a skill set level. You know, it's a very much a, a mindset and a confidence thing. If that's what you really feel, you know, that's ultimately where you're going to hang in terms of your 
your outcomes and your results, because if that's what you're focusing on, it's likely you're not going to just break through that. You know, you got to focus higher. It's just hard to get there if you're, I mean, I'm a pretty self-aware person. So like, I'm not going to fill myself up with fake bullshit confidence if I'm like, dude, my game sucks. Like, I'm not going to go out there and pretend that like, I'm like a world beater when I'm struggling with this, that, and the other thing. Like, I'm a pretty pragmatic person in that sense, good and bad. Like that can, sometimes you need that fake, you know, self-confidence that you just build yourself up and you're like, dude, I'm awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to go out there and kill it. But if you can't buy into that, you know, you, you got to figure out how to actually organically create it. And that just took a lot of time. And did you, did you have to evolve? I mean, we talked a lot about how you've evolved mentally. You're 33rd in the world on Rolex rankings right now. So you've come a long way, obviously Huge. mentally. What, what did you do physically during that time to evolve your game? You know, started with a, with a really good change in my instructor. Um, there, there was a guy out here. He's not really traveling much anymore. He's from Australia and he had worked a long time with Kari Webb. He worked with Mo Martin, um, British Open champ. He still does couple other girls that are some top Korean players. And I met him when he kind of my first or second year out there, taking a couple lessons while he was out traveling to these tournaments. And it just made sense. Like, I will never forget the first lesson I had with him. I was just like, in the absolute shit, you know, I just couldn't figure it out. And he pinpointed immediately like what needed work and it was like a it was a pretty big change but he was like if you think you want to get better out here and want to just not be scraping by to keep your card like you need to change this like and it's going to take time but you have you have to do it and i respected that he was very honest with me in the first lesson and was like i'll take you on if you want to do this but it's going to be not that simple and so i stuck with it you know, saw him when I could, made trips to Australia, like did all this work to um to kind of get my swing in a place that was more repeatable and like at a place that I didn't need constant lessons and constant supervision. And I could kind of understand what I was doing wrong when I was doing it so that I could correct myself. I think that's a huge deal. This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health Services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you will always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, 
your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com playing out there, you're playing every single week. I mean, you've got to be able to fix stuff that goes wrong along the way. Otherwise you get into these ruts and then it's miscut after miscut. And it's like, you don't want that. It, 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 that plays with you mentally too. So that was a huge change. And then I found an awesome trainer down here in Jupiter. Um, I work out at Joey D's with, um, Colby Wayne and he works out with a ton of PGA and LPGA players. And I think the combination of that just really got me into a a better place. You know, I, I felt like it wasn't so exhausting playing so many weeks in a row mentally and physically. And, and that's a big deal. Cause you were able to build, build up the physical stamina for it. Yeah. It, it kind of it oddly goes hand in hand. And I just didn't really recognize how important that is too, because if you're wearing yourself out physically, it mentally, you got to work that much harder to keep yourself, you know, like pushing yourself through those points where you're like, oh, I'm so tired. I don't want to do anything. Well, this is a good segue, right? Because one of the things I wanted to make sure we talked about was kind of the camaraderie on the LPGA tour and like the support network that that seems I'm just a, an outsider. I'm just um, a person that likes watching golf. I don't know anything about the inside in the bubble, you know, so to speak of the LPGA. And I know you have lifelong relationships. You know, your, your roommate, Jenny Suh, is uh, on tour now. Yeah, uh, no, she's not. Uh, she was for a long time. And I think it's been four or five years. She's retired now and she's working um, out here in Jupiter at a, a really nice golf course. So she's their membership director. And Oh, and house, you, house. We have a chance. We, we, we might be able to get on. <laughs> yeah. You well, need an you, we do dye need preserve. an in. Yeah. Oh, die <laughs> preserve. We, we have the hookup. We're talking to a hookup right now. And you, you also went to college with um, Jackie Congolino. Yeah. Conks. The, the yeah, Jack hammer. Girl. Yeah, jackhammer. Uh, uh, she's uh, just a she's a treasure of a human being, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's I'm interested in like that camaraderie aspect of it and the support because one of the things that we see we see it on both tours, but um, especially maybe just since this restart, it feels like it's been more prominent. How everybody's yeah. really celebrating the wins each the champagne week. spring. Like, yes, exactly. Yeah, dude. I actually. Uh, full disclosure, I haven't sat and watched an LPGA event in ages. And I watched every day last week because Mel is a really good friend of mine. And 
I missed, I think the, the Saturday round. I didn't, I don't know what I was doing. I, I wasn't able to catch a lot of it, but I actually watched all of Sunday, which was like hard because the coverage is a little questionable, but um, I just <laughs> wanted to see, you know, Mel do it. I mean, Portland was like, a, I think, I guess a little bit of a disappointment for her. She was in contention. I mean, she didn't play bad, but I, I obviously she would have liked a different outcome. I was pulling for her so hard and I played a ton with her in the lockdown. Me, her and Kari Webb were playing a ton of golf together. So to see her, you know, out there playing great and Webby and I were texting each other a bunch while she was playing and it was just really great to watch her. And that celebration was like, so deserved. I mean, that girl is the best and like so many people love hanging out with her. So the champagne sprays, like, none of that was bullshit. Like anyone that was out there on 18 celebrating with her, like absolutely the most genuine celebration. So you are not playing. You're watching golf right now. I'm watching golf on TV. And (laughs) so talk, talk to us, talk to us about the injury and, and how you're thinking about getting through it. Honestly, it hasn't been that big of a deal this week because it's a major is starting a not it's, hasn't been great. I think it's been on and off reoccurring. Like I've had some weird bouts with my back, my lower back, um, for a few years now. And up until this point, I'd only had to withdraw one time in my career. And that was last year in April. I was just, I couldn't do it. Um, I had to take this week off in LA, but I was quick, like right back to it the following week in San Francisco, you know, my PTs out there got me straight, straightened out and I was able to play. And I was pretty good for the most of the year and played a couple tournaments, probably not at a hundred percent, but never to a point where I didn't think I could tee it up. I mean, it was, you know, we didn't play any golf for five months, which I thought was going to be awesome um, for me physically. And I don't necessarily know if that's the case because you walk so much, you swing so much, you're just used to that kind of, um, I guess, physical exercise that you just can't really replicate in, in your house in your house or a workout. It's like every time I go practice, I'm taking a cart because it's a million degrees in, in Florida. And like, I'm not interested in walking if I don't have to. And so when I got back out to play in the restart, I think my body was a little like, whoa, a lot's going on here um, that you haven't been doing for so long. And I just started at the British and everything kind of just slowly for like a few weeks, just wasn't getting better and better, even with PT, like it didn't matter. I was just kind of slowly on a decline. And I, I pushed myself through ANA because it was a major, I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing. And I woke up on Monday to go to Portland. I was like, I, I can't go. Like, mm. um, I, I just can't do it. And I flew home and that killed. Cause I mean, I love Portland, obviously like my one it's, win is there it's where you won. That's right. Yeah. That was the last thing I wanted to do. But I was also like, I don't, know if I'm hurting myself further, you know? Right. Um, and I came home, our tour doctor got me in to get an MRI, uh, just to figure everything out. And I actually, I, I wasn't in a good place. So not playing that week was necessary it, in my mind. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll be ready to go, you know, in a couple weeks. And no, I, 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 just think my expectation or, or the reality of my situation, I just hadn't had come to terms with yet. And it sucks. Like, I would love to be playing this week. Ironomic looks sick. So, 
that this is this week has been a bummer and not that the other two aren't but missing majors is hard can you see light at the end of the tunnel do you know what you have to do to get back yeah um i'm doing it you know some pt i've been on pretty good drugs like anti-inflammatories for but we're going on a month now of that and i don't necessarily know if that's like uh what i want you know long term yeah. so is it something that have- might require a swing change that's the other thing that I got to look into. And and I think it might, I think I need to look at how, well, definitely how I train. Like I got to probably modify some things, um, just for the sake of my back and putting kind of pressure on my disc that I I can't be doing like I used to, which sucks, but it'll, it'll be okay. I think Colby is a great trainer. So like, we'll work through that and it'll be fine. Um, but yeah, definitely probably need to look at some swing changes. And that's going to be hard because my coach is far away. So I got to figure out how I'm going to figure, figure that out. Well, you, you mentioned this week is the KPMG PGA yes. championship. We've had now eight events uh, mm-hmm. since the LPGA restart. So the LPGA restart kicked off right at the end of July, the beginning of August. And there's been a really diverse array of winners that we, we have a cu- couple OGs and then some, some real newcomers. And especially you mentioned this, this week is a major, we've had two majors already on the LPGA tour and two like crazy long shot winners. Like, you know, so Sophia Popoff is like straight out of nowhere, uh, in, yeah, in terms um, of a win, but I think a lot of things, you know, with how COVID has been, some countries have had crazy travel restrictions. I, I know a lot of girls have elected internationally to not come, which is understandable. Um, and the girls that are from Korea, like the, the KLPJ, the Korean tour has been kind of going pretty good since I would say May. So, you know, that's an, a, an easier avenue for some players to just play out there right now instead of traveling back and forth. I think they still have like mandatory two-week hotel quarantines when they return home it's a lot like if you come here you're here you know it's hard for players to go back home and back and forth so i think there's been um our fields have been all over the map kind of in that sense like um we're just missing some players just because it's not able to happen but that's afforded other girls opportunities to compete on the lpga and then you see like a really cool story like sophia's um mainly got into marathon and was able to qualify through that and then win a British open. I mean, are we, if we're in a normal year, like, I don't know exactly if that's like what ends up happening, but it happened. It's awesome. So that was one of the stories that really penetrated through into sort of broader sports media. We heard, we heard you earlier softly allude to some criticism of the way the product is presented on TV since you've been stuck at home watching it. Talk to us about how it feels to watch the game. Is the game presented well? Is there more that can be done to break it through? Yeah, talk about that. I don't think we see enough of us, you know? we And I don't know if that's a lack of cameras, lack of money, lack of, I guess, resources to see more shots on TV. It was weird. I saw a lot of shots on Thursday and Friday of various groups. And then when we got to the Sunday coverage, it was like they only had two groups on TV. And it's like, surely there are other things that we can see in between. Uh, I don't know why that is. I really don't. It frustrates me because people get bored and they turn it off because you're just not getting enough golf. 
there is big variance in um, the presentation. Like the the ANA yes. w- it, it has historically been well presented, and it, I thought it was very well presented um, this year as, as well. And I'm look very much looking forward to the PGA Championship because I can't wait to see Aronimink under these conditions. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be interesting. I mean. They played the BMW there, the men's, correct? Maybe 2018? Yes, exactly right. But it was soft. Now it's not soft at all. No, and it's interesting. It's a little bit later in the year. It's probably going to be cold. Like I can't imagine it's going to be that warm in Philly right now. So I think it'll be tough. Like I I don't foresee them blowing that out of the water like the way A&A got. Um, You know, there was a lot of low scores at A&A. Well, on this idea of of sort of greater awareness, greater interest, one of the things that I um, was curious to kind of get the insider perspective on is the heightened interest in golf as a fantasy and and gambling kind of opportunity. Lots and lots and lots of folks um, since the PGA Tour restart have jumped into the daily fantasy games, the the fantasy leagues, and also, you know, the ability to just uh, look at a matchup and put 10 bucks down or something. No, I think it's, I think it's great. It's happening on the LPGA side as well, although not not as um, well-developed yet. I just think that there are some things, um, TV is one, like you need people tuning in to watch to even be remotely interested, you know, in wanting to put bets on girls. I mean, how are you going to put a bet on, uh, and I'll just throw two people out. Like if you want to match up Nelly, uh, Corda, Brooke Henderson, like if you don't really follow the game that closely, like how are you supposed to know anything unless you can like start to watch us on TV a little bit more and like get an understanding of, of the game. I mean, I guess you could look at what those, um, like the matchup would be. And like, I don't know what kind of odds they're putting on one versus the other, but I mean, if you, it's hard for us to, for people to want to get into betting if they don't necessarily know all of the girls out there, what their game's like, you know, uh, better stats. I mean, ultimately better stats lead to people wanting to place bets because I just think you could give a more accurate representation of like how a player would do on a certain course based on driving accuracy, distance, green and regulations, putting, like all that. If you're actually into golf and you want to do that kind of betting, like you need a little bit more data to make a, a good educated bet would be my guess. Yeah. And that data is all out there on the PGA tour side, all the, all that strokes gain stuff. And we lack that from a resource standpoint. I mean, you know, we're dealing with, you know, they have shot link, which I don't know the cost of that. It's a multi-million dollar system that they have. But even I, I've been told that over time, like live betting shot link, isn't even going to be good enough. Like it needs it's to not. be faster. It's not right. It needs no, to be faster. Yeah. It's it relies on the the old volunteers to enter in the information, and they always get it wrong. And yeah, yeah, and we rely on that too. But ours isn't even like real right. time. It's just like they go throughout the whole round, and then they put it in at the end. Right. So it's like, what good is that doing us from a betting standpoint? Like you can't bet on anything except head to head matchups or like odds of a person finishing in the top five or the top 10 are winning, you know, it, it we're still limited because we need way better um, data out there at like a rapid rate. Well, so that means we have to rely on anecdotal information from yes. people who know what they're talking about, like you. So, so talk a little <laughs> bit about, about where we are right now in this uh, post Annika order 
of, you know, there's a next generation of golfers who are coming up. There's a few golfers still in the sort of top 10, top 20 of the world rankings who have multiple majors under their belts. From your perspective, who are those best golfers in the world right now? And is there a class of golfers who are coming up that we should keep our eye on for those of us who are, who are interested in the fantasy stuff? I think that there are, without too much insight, because I don't want to get myself in trouble. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but no, I think that there is a new crop of players out here right now that are incredible. I mean, Nellie, Brooke, Danielle Kang, you know, so good, really consistent, in contention, week in and week out. I mean, their games are just really solid. Even a player like, Aria Gentanagarn, who's maybe not had her best the last year or two, but still so solid, you know, at any point could just get it going. And she hits it unbelievably far, really well, great putter. There, there are a lot of players out there that probably people don't really know about. Um, but the talent pool is, is pretty deep. And then you've got a lot of these young girls that are hitting it miles, which is cool. Maria Fossey and Van Dam. I mean, they're, they're, they hit it probably as far as some of the shorter guys on the PGA Tour, which is far. And I think Golf Channel is doing a good job of trying to showcase them a little bit more just to see that that length is out there. You know, Lexi has been kind of like the long hitter for a long time, and she still is. But Fossey and Van Dam really absolutely pound the golf ball, which is cool. You, you, you mentioned a bunch of American names, and one of the things I was surprised by is an American hasn't won a major in we're going on over two years now. The last eight majors have been won by um, international women. A lot of different walks of life, you know. Obviously, I think that'll change. I, I, I don't. I don't think that that means much of anything. I mean, because yeah. we've had a fair share of American winners already this with this restart. Um, I think they're playing good. I mean, Nelly almost won ANA. I don't know exactly what it came down to at the British. It seemed like Sophia ran away with it. And I, I don't exactly remember who was in contention at that point. I would be shocked if there isn't an American winner either this week or U.S. Open, to be fair. I, I think that it's out there. So, but NB Park, right? Yeah, NB Park right now has seven majors, right? There's there's almost nobody else of the folks that you've talked about. It's who changed. Have, yeah, so... Is there just a lot more parity? Is it that technology's making players better? How have we got to this place? I think that the depth of competition really is better, let's say 10 years from now to now. And there hasn't been anyone that's been able to just like break through, dominate the way NB did. Um, but I, I do think that that is because, you know, you just have a few more players every week that are, if they're on top of their game, can kind of push someone from winning like they may be up there in contention but you know you may have someone else step in and, and win that tournament and and i just don't know if you're going to see a ton of multiple time winners right now because of just the way that unless, unless someone really separates themselves and that takes you know like what you see with nb park or tiger woods or Annika or kari webb like it's just a mental i think it's got to be more a mental thing than it is like a skill set thing um, to like separate you to that to that level, and maybe it'll happen. I mean, I don't see anyone in the top five in the world not being capable of doing that. It's just if if it happens. But you see the overall level of play 
has risen dramatically in the last few years. In my time out from like when I started to now, um, what it takes to make a cut is so much harder. It, it The scores are so much lower. And I don't think anything is changing from a setup standpoint. I mean, they try to lengthen our courses, but it's really not making a difference in terms of the scores. They're still low. Granted, technology is allowing us to hit it a little bit further. I just don't think it's proportional to how much further you see the guys hitting the golf ball. I don't want them to roll back anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we saw a couple women who looked like they were kind of poised to maybe rip off a whole slew. I mean, Arya Jutanagarn, you mentioned her. I thought, you know, she could be on one of those NB roles. And Lydia Ko is so young. You know, she looked like she was set up. Lydia is doing great. I, I, she's worked a lot on her swing in the last couple of years. And um, I mean, she's in amazing shape. Like, I think she's she was so dominant there for a while. And I, I don't I think that that'll be back for her. I do. So House made the point that we've had a lot of international major winners. 10 of the top 40 in the Rolex rankings are are Americans. This is a truly international sport. It is an international sport, and I could be way off base here, but 10 in the top 40 might be the highest it's been for us in a really long time. Right. I don't know if that is if I'm just saying that because I want to believe it or if that's actually true. And, I think and, if and, you like go back like four, 3 4 years ago, I don't think you would find that stat. Right. It sounds like a lot of the way that you have played golf through your career is through the eye test. And so you watch a lot of other players and you mm, learn from yeah. them and absorb. But in the men's game, the world golf rankings are oftentimes a shit show because they can be manipulated through a bunch of other tours. And there's guys who get into tournaments who, you know, spend a bunch of time winning r- remote events in Asia. Some of the best players in the world on the women's tour are definitely sitting in Korea and other parts of Asia right now. So is there is there manipulation of those rankings? Like, you're 33rd in the world. Does that mean you're really 8th? Or or, or or do we do a better job on the LPGA and the, the Rolex rankings of, of evaluating players? I don't necessarily think we do any different than the men do. And right now, we're getting... It's a struggle because of the fact that we're this COVID has changed how many of our players that are LPGA members playing here on this tour this year. So the KLPGA events are going to, are getting rated pretty high because a lot of it depends on the total world ranking of the field of the event in, in then that determines how much points you get for your finishes. So, you know, you have like, we had drive on, we had marathon, we've had some events that have just been filled with not a ton of high rank players. And that's, it's not doing a top player and a lot of favors in helping to improve their, their ranking. It's like winner bust. Like if you're not in the top three, you know, it's actually hurting your world ranking. And I think you see, we're seeing a lot of players on the KLPGA kind of in that, trust me, they're really good players. I'm, I'm not discrediting their abilities at all. I just, it's really difficult to say how it all falls out because we don't play against each other that much but they have like a total world ranking in their field. That's pretty high. So it's just like, it's allowing them to continue to keep their world rankings like higher or at least stable. And we're struggling, I think this year with COVID for that reason, I think some of our events are getting weighted less and the rankings are a little bit all over the map. 
Well, even more reason to watch the major because that's where it all comes together. And with the exception of people missing it. Yeah. The majors are going to be, you know, ultimately like you're getting the best of the best out there. You are, regardless of COVID year or not. The course setups are challenging. Um, you have the, you know, I'm thinking people are playing, like there's usually exemptions for girls, KLPGA and JLPGA and most of our majors based on their world rankings or their orders of merit. Um, so you you have a pretty, I would say, international representation, like top players are playing. So I think that your majors are your best indication of, of who's the best right now. Well, I really appreciate how much time you have given us. I want to put you on the spot in a second, but I'm going to let you think about it because you are now, whether you agree to it or not, you are now officially our LPGA correspondent on the ground. And we're going to be checking okay. on in with you occasionally, hopefully much sooner rather than much later in terms of you back out playing and be able to give us some uh, reports from the grounds. But um, the thing I'm going to ask you in a second is your pick for the PGA championship, but don't, Ooh, don't give an answer right okay. now. You get to think about it a little bit. You get to chew on it because Speaking of chew on meatball, I need to hear what's going on in the kitchen. You have a little bit more time now than you would prefer to be at home cooking. What's the number one go-to dish at the moment in the Marina Alex meatball kitchen? Oh, I've been lazy. I haven't been cooking that much. <laughs> Not for myself anyway. If if some of my friends want to come over and we'll do dinner, that's one thing. I made a bolognese the other night. Okay, okay, okay. Week before I did some baked clams, which was fun. Oh, so magical. Friend, this is great. Yeah, I love clams. My friend Jen, um, she was like, oh, I'm going to go to the fish market and get some clams and we'll cook. And I was like, okay, cool. And she texts me and was like, oh, they didn't have, I think we were going to make a clam pasta and they didn't have little necks. And they only had real big ones. And she's like, let's, can we do baked clams? I'm like, sure. I was like, just please ask the guy to shuck them before you bring them over and she was like oh i already left but he showed you me how to shuck one the clams. like oh my god are you <laughs> fucking kidding me like we're gonna sit here for an hour shucking clams because yeah. i really Smell don't know like how to hell. do it and neither does she it was awful so <laughs> it took us like 45 minutes yeah to like shuck maybe two dozen clams i mean it was just a nightmare <laughs> but it, they turned out it, they were delicious and it was great i was just like uh i i wanted to not like be annoying about her insisting on sh getting them shocked but i was like i really don't want to do this <laughs> it's not easy and they make it look easy and it's really hard <laughs> have you guys been to carbone i've been to carbone you have i've really oh, worked yes. on the spicy uh rigatoni vodka how's it coming yeah. how's it coming it's good. what's the progress it's good. Yeah. I, it's, I i think it's i think i'm doing all right but <laughs> yeah <laughs> i have some friends coming over on friday that i told them i would make it Make it for them, so I'll uh, I'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll we're gonna ask for how if that's that's gonna be the next update when we get together. How did how did it how did it go down? How did we need to see a picture? Put it up on the on the gram. We need to see a picture. If there's no picture, it didn't happen. So we got to see it on the gram. Are the baked clams on the gram? Uh, uh not. Oh, people Marina. Get, people get mad at me. I don't save any of it. Like I put it on my story, but then. Uh, not into just like just a the picture, whole... picture of the of the clams. They're beautiful. I know, no. You work so I hard people, on them. People are like, "Oh, put it on like your timeline story and make a <laughs> recipe." And I'm like, "That's a lot of work. Like, I just yeah. don't 
want well, to do any of that. <laughs> we're, we're, look, at some point, we're going to have you on House of Carbs. That show's coming back on the Ringer Podcast Network. House of Carbs. And we're going <laughs> to, we, well, we, we will see what progress you've made. Okay, I just gave you four and a half minutes to think about your pick, and I'll let you make two for the PGA Championship. Irana makes nobody will be offended. No, it's not offended. I don't want to okay. jinx the people that I want to. Oh. She didn't want to oh. put the Joe House official stink the, uh, on a player. I'm not. I'm. But as long as I'm out of it, these these girls have a great chance. I'll Rita, just stay Joe, out of it. Joe absolutely destroyed Sergio Garcia last week, who turned around and promptly really? won the tournament before yeah. bef- before the tournament. I said a lot of bad <laughs> things about him. I talked to him. I talked about him out there c- collecting checks. Yeah, exactly. So we're, oh, this, this 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 is going to be good. Whoever you give you out is going to be good. I think that I think Lydia is a good pick. I, I mean, I love Nelly. I really like Nelly. I just don't want to. I don't yeah, want to put the jinx it. Well, on you're him. not going to pick her. We are just telling us that you like picking, her. I'm not picking anyone. She's, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. It. Not, that's I, it. Just a couple girls that we're going to root for this weekend. That's it. Yes, How about that? Absolutely. That was, we'll put it that yeah. way. Okay, Marina, Alex, our LPGA tour correspondent on the ground on fairway rolling. Thank you so much for coming on today. We appreciate it. Get well soon. Thanks, Meatball. Okay. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.